or you might have an entrepreneur who feels like their business or their course more specifically is what has the platform. And in your case, you're talking about, well, I'm dealing in scientific method where these might be theorems that have been proven in the past. And so how is that a platform? And, and what I say to all of that is, is that these are, are elements that make you who you are, but the way that you instruct someone or explain a proven theorem, explain someone else's idea even, right? The way that you interact with your clients, with your audience, that's what your platform is. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. Welcome to Scale Your Course. In today's episode, I talk to Caroline Snaniza Levine. Caroline is a career expert and the founder of the Dream Career Club. She's a longtime recruiter turned career coach, and she's coached executives from big companies like Amazon, Goldman Sachs, Google, McKinsey, Tesla, and many other leading firms on how to make a great living doing work they love. Caroline is a senior contributor to Forbes Leadership, author of Jump Ship, 10 Steps to Starting a New Career, and an executive coach for Columbia Business School's executive program in management. Super impressive. She's been a repeat guest on CBS, CNN, CNBC, and Fox Business, and she's regularly quoted in major media outlets. Some fun facts about Caroline is that she's a classically trained pianist at Juilliard and Manhattan School of Music. She stays active in the arts, writing and producing with FBC Films, and she divides her time among Florida, New York, and Costa Rica. Now, wow. All I can say is Caroline has a really impressive resume here. And you might be wondering how that connects back to the work that you're doing, creating courses and programs to skill your business. Well, Caroline and I talk a lot about the importance of thought leadership and visibility in our businesses, because while you can create a really great course and program, if you can't present yourself in a way that attracts the right people to you, you're going to find that the course or the program doesn't launch the way that you want. It's going to stay on the shelf. You're going to get discouraged. And sometimes that means we abandon our best ideas before they even take hold in the world. One of the things that I really liked about this conversation was that Caroline really helped me understand what thought leadership is. I realized that I actually am a thought leader and I didn't really wear that hat before. So if you're wondering whether you're a thought leader or not, if you're looking for the essence of how to get visible and really make sure that you're putting the right messaging out into the world, take a listen to this podcast episode. Caroline had a way of simplifying this concept for me and I hope that she'll do the same for you. Without further ado, here is my interview with Caroline. 
Welcome, Caroline, to Skill Your Course. I'm so excited and thrilled to have you here today, diving into the topic of thought leadership and all things related to getting your message out into the world. Tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can really um, have the opportunity for everybody to understand who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into the topic. Sure. So my background is divided between being a traditional employee. I spent 15 years in corporate America in strategy consulting in retained executive search and corporate HR. Then I started my own business exactly at this point 15 years ago. And it includes working with organizations and individuals, and it also includes courses. And so I'm excited to talk to you about this topic because, uh, of course, courses is super helpful to a business. And then also this notion of thought leadership and messaging, uh, super important to both business owners and professionals. I can look at both sides of my journey and say that it's definitely been important everywhere. Well, this is definitely a topic of interest that I've had. I haven't really dove into. And so when I received your email and you recommended that maybe we have a conversation and, and maybe do an interview together, I thought, why not? Because, you know, this idea of putting yourself out there, like so many of us, we really don't know what to say. Sometimes we, we try, we're experimenting, we're doing all the things and maybe that's okay, but I've always been intrigued by this idea of thought leadership. And one of the reasons is because I teach people how to create courses and design better curriculum and get their courses launched out into the world. What I do is very much framework-based. It's science. It's evidence-based work. It doesn't feel super thoughtful to me. It feels very much like I'm just telling people what someone told me and someone told them before them and, you know, going back in time to all the theories and all the things that I've studied. So I've always been intrigued by how do I become a thought leader when I'm really sharing methods and frameworks that are science-based and theory-based. So maybe it might be a bit early in our conversation for that question, but I'm really curious. Let's start with just what is thought leadership? And then maybe you can lead us there to maybe getting to an answer to my question. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to answer your question. I think that's, that's something that people struggle with, that a lot of people that I encounter, whether they're busy professionals who have their, they're working at a Fortune 500 company, they have a big title, they have a big job, and they feel like their platform or their brand is that title, that job, that company. Or you might have an entrepreneur who feels like their business or their course more specifically is what has the platform. And in your case, you're talking about, well, I'm dealing in scientific method where these might be theorems that have been proven in the past. And so how is that a platform? And, and what I say to all of that is, is that these are, are elements that make you who you are, but the way that you instruct someone or explain a proven theorem, explain someone else's idea even, right? The way that you interact with your clients, with your audience, that's what your platform is. And I think too many people don't really take a step back and think about what are all of the facets of my thought leadership. It isn't just the facts 
that I'm repeating or the systems that I'm espousing. It's also how do I do that? In what medium? In what frequency? What's my voice and my approach to my audience? It's all of that. And then it's also just your personal style. We know people who are completely by the book, very left brain, analytical. We have people who are more irreverent and funny. And and maybe they will explain something through story. And both of those things are, are useful, but they have very different platforms. You can imagine those two voices will have very different platforms. I think I get it. All of us have knowledge that we've gathered and, and filed away and, and we use from a variety of different sources. I always just felt like thought leadership was you had to like give birth to this idea all on your own so that you could rubber stamp it. So I'm glad to hear that you're expanding the definition from my view, which I would assume that if I am learning from you just in that this brief five minute conversation, other people will be learning from you as well. Tell us a little bit about how you got started doing what you're doing and what is your bigger mission for this work? Yeah, so I I call myself a, a reluctant entrepreneur. I didn't set out to start a business. And I think that's an important message to share because I think a lot of people feel like they have to have it all figured out before they try something new. And that's just not the case. So I got into this work because my first job was as a strategy consultant. I've always been in the advisory business in some way, shape, or form. So strategy consulting is advising big businesses on their business. And it itself, consulting is a big business. And I was a junior person doing all of the grunt work, working myself up to managing projects. And then I actually joined an alum of the firm who was recruiting consultants. And so this was a new industry for me. It was the same sector. So I was still working in and around management consulting, but I was on the recruiting side. And when I moved to the recruiting side, this is when I was talking to people about their careers, about their motivations. I was really seeing people over time, the choices that they made. I was fascinated by that. So where before I was advising businesses, here I was really looking at the individual and their journey. And that I loved everything about recruiting. I ended up joining a media firm and, and running several recruiting areas for them. And that was the last job that I had before I started my own company. And I started my own company again, calling myself a reluctant entrepreneur because I had multiple interests. I was interested in the recruiting side. I was also interested in coaching people and working with people one-on-one. -on -one. I really like to write. Um, so I, at this point, I've written career advice columns for a number of media outlets. I'm currently writing for Forbes, but I used to write for Money and Portfolio and CNBC. And so I just had a lot of interests. And what I realized was that, oh, I could pursue a number of different things if I created something for myself and didn't just work for a company where there's a structure, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five or eight to six or, you know, whatever it is. And so reluctantly, I went into business for myself again, not thinking of myself as an entrepreneur. And this is when I really had to codify what is a thought leadership platform, what is a brand, because now I'm out there myself. I don't have a company or a title that everybody understands. Uh, I'm a recruiter, or I'm in HR, or I'm a consultant. So 
now it's just me and it's my company that nobody has heard of because I'm new. And I really had to think about, oh, you know, if, if I'm going to convince a stranger, essentially, to put their hard-earned dollars to work with me, whether that stranger is an individual who wants coaching or a decision maker for a company who hires me to deliver a workshop or create a program for them, if I'm going to do that, I need to show up in a way that instills credibility and integrity and expertise. I need to do that relatively quickly. <laughs> They're not going to listen to anything that I have to say. And so I really have to think about how do I do that? And as I was doing that for myself, I began to notice because I had 15 years in corporate America and, and I realized, oh, you know, we squander so much of that time when we have other things going on in our ecosystem. We rely so much on the company that we're working on or the job that we happen to be doing or, or the people around us. And we, we don't really think about like, what am I bringing to the table and who am I without all of these things? And yet even professionals need to think about that. And certainly entrepreneurs. So your audience that are business owners, absolutely. You need to think about that because you can imagine that people have a lot of other things, other information, other vendors, other ideas vying for their attention. So you need to figure out how to cut through all that noise. Yeah, there's a lot of noise. Um, there's a lot of competition and we're all there to add value. So what is the steps that you would encourage someone to take when they're starting to think about thought leadership? Do you have some ideas on how to get started to really position yourself as a thought leader? Yes, absolutely. So there, there are essentially three main ways to get your message out there. And once I say this, it's pretty obvious. So there's writing of some kind that's getting published. And that doesn't just mean a book. You know, if I say write a book, do I have to publish a book? Well, yeah, that's one way certainly of making a splash. But you could also publish an article. It doesn't even have to be on your own website. You can publish a guest post and you don't even have to publish a whole post. You can publish a comment on somebody else's post. So you can see that there is an entire world out there for writing, but, but writing is a medium where you're putting your voice and your approach and your expertise on paper or online, right? Because writing is of course also done digitally. So that is one way. Speaking is another way. And again, speaking can be having a podcast, like, like you host your own podcast. And so, of course, that establishes you as an expert in the topic that you are speaking about. Or you can do what I'm doing, which is guesting on a podcast. So I have decided that I am not going to be the host, but I'm going to be a guest. And in that way, I'm going to flip to different shows and different topics. Uh, speaking is also done on the stage, in a conference, um, in a, a professional association meetup, right? So it can be a, a big conference, an industry conference at national, or it can be all the way to a chapter of your alma mater in your small town. And speaking can also be done virtually, you know, just like writing, you've got the live speaking from the stage, but then you also have webinars and podcasts and, you know, other medium. And, but again, as a speaker, you're sharing your voice, certainly you're sharing your approach, you're sharing your expertise. So here I am talking about how I'm codifying thought leadership and branding, and I'm giving examples. And so 
And then you can also hear me. You can also hear my personality, hopefully, like shining through what I'm saying. And so speaking is, is definitely another way. And then the third way is, is getting published or getting quoted by the media. So the and media, again, just broadly speaking, one could argue that, okay, by me guesting on a podcast, is that speaking or is that more a media mention? You know, I'm not going to split hairs there, but you know, for example, I just got quoted in the cover story of a Newsweek article about recession proofing your life. And I talked about career navigation in a recession specifically. So it wasn't me that had to put together this long form article, which was excellent, had all sorts of mental health and personal finance, a great, beautiful piece by Newsweek. But I I shared some of my ideas and then a reporter puts it together and an editor puts it together and curates it. And, and there it is. And not only does my voice shine through my approach, my expertise, you know, of course I'm relying on them to, to quote me. Um, but then there's also in this case, Newsweek, right? So it is a, a general news publication. Most people have heard of it. Um, the fact that I write for Forbes, for example, is both it's writing because I'm controlling that, that message, but then it's also the imprimatur of Forbes, right? And, and people know Forbes and they think of Forbes as a trusted business source. And so you might be thinking about, or your listeners might be thinking about, okay, I have something to say. I don't think I'm going to write something from scratch, or I don't think I'm going to develop a talk. Okay. Well, let people know that you have something to say. Talk to your friends who are journalists, who are themselves are writers, who might need a source. And that might be a good way of getting started because then you have, you know, another person, that, that reporter or that editor, um, but then you also have the halo effect of Forbes, Newsweek, or, you know, whatever that other example is. Yeah, you just made me sort of realize you know, over the last little bit, I've been doing a bit more writing. Um, I certainly have the podcast, like you've mentioned, and I have done a few podcast guesting um, opportunities as well, but I still hadn't really sort of established that around thought leadership. So I really appreciate what you're saying is it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. You just have to be willing to get out there and do it and put your, put your rubber stamp out there. So how is it that you support people with this work? What is it that you exactly do? Yeah, so I would say that my practice is split between working with people one-on-one. -on -one. So someone, whether it's a business owner or a professional working for another company, will come to me to coach with me. And where the branding comes in, you know, typically people come to see a coach because they they have a problem of some kind. Right? They have a transition to make. They are either ascending into, I've had people come to me because they've been promoted into the biggest job of their career and they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this job well, right? I've had some people who are no longer happy doing what they're doing, whether they are an employee who then maybe wants to be an entrepreneur or wants to move to another company, or sometimes it's a business owner who is burnt out or who, you know, maybe this wasn't all cracked up to be. And so maybe they want to either go back in-house and be an employee, or they want to pivot their business in some way. So there's always some sort of transition because people aren't going to seek out a coach without that. And so it really depends on what the issue is. But the thought leadership question is always there in the sense that 
in any of those examples, even if you are not necessarily making a change, but you're going into a promotion, you are still messaging to your team. You're still messaging to your new colleagues. Maybe you are taking on different clients or now you're interacting with the board or you're interacting with more of senior leadership. And so there's still a message there that you're sending. You actually might have to, because you're stepping into an executive role, talk to the media or speak at a conference on behalf of the company. So you still have to be thoughtful about how you're putting yourself out there. And then of course, no question, if you're looking for a new job, if you're trying to change careers, if you're a business owner trying to grow your business or shift into a new product line or sell a course or scale your course, right? So if you are trying to do that, you absolutely have to get yourself out there. The course will not sell itself and it certainly won't scale itself. Very true. Um, yeah, it's all, it takes the right actions at the right time. What are the mistakes that people commonly make when they're putting themselves out there in this way? Yeah. So the, the first mistake I think I've referenced it is that people just don't think about doing it. And here's the thing about your brand. You either manage that proactively or it's already there. I mean, the reality is, is that if someone thinks of me, someone knows me from, let's say, I don't know, 15 years ago before I was an entrepreneur, in their minds, I am however they left it, right? So if we worked together as HR colleagues, or if I worked with them 30 years ago as a consultant, they might still think of me as that, oh yeah, Caroline, that business advisor person, because they don't know anything else. If you're not reminding people and putting yourself and massaging that message, they know you from however they know you. And so the biggest mistake I see is that people are just haphazard about it. They just don't think at all about how they're putting themselves out there. And then, okay, so then that's the first hurdle that I have to get over is like, wow, you really need to start thinking about this. And I have had clients who are like, I never would have thought to put it it just so specifically to really just think about, oh, I have to go after it. But then I'll, I'll just ask them, writing, speaking, media, kind of what interests you? What do you like to do? Because all of this is going to be work of some kind to figure out who you're going, you know, in the media, certainly to figure out who you're going to talk to and pitch to, what you're going to say. And then with writing, you have to put pen to paper, you have to type out whatever it is that you're you're working on with speaking, you have to land those gigs or you have to land that you have to start a podcast, run a podcast or, or guest on a podcast. You, you have to do something to make these things happen. So there is an element of work might as well be fun. So I do try to get people to start with something that they generally are curious about and interested in so that when it starts to feel uncomfortable, oh, this is new, or this is, uh, maybe I'm getting some rejections or, you know, maybe I'm a little bit confused. At least we have the, oh, but you like to do this kind of, you like to write, you like to speak, you like, you know, talking to people and networking with people. And these are just media people. So it's, it's fine. And then sometimes you have to consider also your, your audience, of course. And so a, a simple example to that is, I, I do work with executives who they don't own that business. They might be running a line of business, but they're working within, let's say, a Fortune 50 company. There are some rules around what they can say or not say, what they can do or not do. And so there are some very highly regulated industries like pharmaceutical or financial services where I probably wouldn't start with trying to get into the media because you're not in control of that message. And there are a lot of rules there. And so you just want to think about like, where are my people, you know, going to be? 
Yeah. I think what ends up happening though, is a lot of people want to follow all the trends, like with like, you know, they want to be where the latest craze is, but if that's not the best place for you to show up one, that could feel like like a lot of pressure. Like for me, I, I hear TikTok is a great place to be, but for me to go on TikTok and do all the TikTok things probably doesn't really match sort of who I am and what I'm trying to create in the world and what impact I want to make. But there's still this sort of like draw and pull to go and do those things. So I like what you've said about like choosing the median, like the the writing, the speaking, and I'm, what was the third one? Writing is media is getting, is getting published oh, or getting and, quoted. Are yeah. That kind of stuff. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think for me, it's really just that pull to want to be all in all of the places. And I really like what you're saying about choose, choose the right place, because that's going to help you show up the best way possible. Yeah. And that point that you're making about not needing to be everywhere. TikTok's a great example. So, so that's really actually the, the third thing that I wanted to mention. So the first is you have to think about your thought leadership, you know, just, just start thinking about it. The second thing is speaking, writing, media, pick your poison, right? Just, just go after it. But the third is, is the point that you're making, which is even within, let's just take speaking, there's a lot there. And the temptation is to spray and pray and, oh, well, TikTok, I can speak to millions of, aren't there millions of people on TikTok? And really what what you have to then match, let's say if you do pick something like speaking, is you have to match what you choose to your audience and think about, is my audience going to be, you know, on TikTok, TikTok in this example? You know, my audience are, they are typically, because I spent decades in New York City. So a lot of my clients are in the coastal cities, New York and San Francisco. They are experienced professionals. They tend to be late 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. And these aren't folks that grew up around TikTok and aren't necessarily in TikTok. I do work with a lot of financial services and pharma, so highly regulated industries. They're not trolling on TikTok and posting stuff there. So the the notion that even if I somehow managed to penetrate that and get a following there, would that be a following that would serve my business ends? You know, probably not. This is why, you know, I'm writing for Forbes right now because Forbes matches who I want to be my audience and my potential clients. And that's something that people should think about their courses. Who's taking their courses? Where are they finding the the research, the, you know, the resources for whatever it is that they're taking your course for and make sure that you're there. Makes so much sense. But I do, I do see this sort of pull that people have about trying to be everywhere and do all the things. And for me, there's even been some resistance. And I think that you talked earlier about the reluctant entrepreneur. Well, I am still in a nine to five job. So I'm straddling both nine to five and entrepreneurship with the hope of transitioning into entrepreneurship permanently. And I know my people are probably on LinkedIn, but I'm also afraid to really go all in and be loud in those platforms where some of my colleagues might see me and those kinds of things. So there's a lot of hurdles to kind of get over when you're looking at visibility and, you know, just putting yourself out there. So 
that's something that's a personal thing that I have to overcome though. Right. So. No, I think that that's a common, you know, there's, there's resistance of some kind. And I think it's great that you've identified a specific block there, which is you're straddling, you, you do have in, in some ways, two brands that you're representing. There's your course and your podcast and, you know, all of that work there for your own business, but you are working for another business. And that is true. What, what I, what I tell people in that situation is yes, for something like LinkedIn, you do have to be mindful that your boss or colleagues or clients on the other side, they might, they might see your profile. It's very likely that they'll see your profile. So you do have to come to terms with how are they going to feel about that? Am I compliant with any sort of conflict of interest or whatever, whatever? Um, but then I would, I would really just think about, you know, it's unlikely that someone, let's say, shopping for your business services or your course specifically or wanting to find your podcast is the same group as that other that's also following your employer. And so you want to think about, okay, how can I be even more specific about where I'm going to find these people? And maybe, yeah, LinkedIn, because it's open to the public and it's going to have both sets of people going there, I can't get too specific there. And I'm going to have to find another platform, whether it's my own website or whether it's focusing on building a private community, a private LinkedIn group or something like that, or just nurturing my email list, something that I have more control over. But yeah, I have a lot of folks who are in between jobs or juggling a couple of things. And so, yeah, you do have to be mindful of, um, you know, two different brands, but we're all multifaceted. I mean, I give the very general example of saying, uh, by the way, I'm married with two kids. When I introduce myself, I don't, unless I'm, I'm introducing myself to, let's say, a group of women entrepreneurs, and I'll bring up off the top, and I'm married, and I have two children, and because it's about typically juggling work and family, potentially working with your spouse as an entrepreneur, you know, there are lots of topics that are very specific to that. But if I'm talking to a group of business people, I'm all going to be about, well, I started my career in banking and consulting and this Fortune 50 and this, this, this. And that doesn't make me unmarried or childless, right? I mean, that's, that's still true, even though I didn't just say that in that moment. So you can absolutely have two different platforms that you're nurturing for two different audiences. Just recognize that, yeah, there's going to be some places where they overlap. Yeah, that's great advice. It makes me feel a lot better. Thank you so much. <laughs> always, when I have guests on the podcast, I always end up getting a little bit of a nugget for myself, which is a great, which is a great experience for me to have that takeaway and, and then uh, to give it back to the audience as well. Is there anything that you really want us to know about thought leadership before we wrap up our interview today? You know, I would say start today. There's going to be something that you can do today as you listen to this podcast. It's not about, well, some other time I'm going to apply for that speaking gig or some other time I'm going to start a podcast. You can do something as simple as taking out a journal and just thinking about if I were to describe myself, how, what five words would I use? And look at that and say, are these positive? Are they unique? Are they specific? And then ask people who know you, ask a client, ask a friend, ask a family member or significant other. So, you know, ask people who will have different perspectives of you to also describe you. 
and see, you know, is there something that people are noticing that you yourself didn't notice? Are people describing you in a way that you actually don't want to be described or you feel like, huh, that doesn't sound very powerful or that's not what I intended for my business or for my brand and just, just get started. So like that's a very simple exercise. You could do that right away. And it just brings home the point that like it or not, we all have a brand or a, a platform out there. And so you better just figure out what that is and start managing it. Oh, great tip. Great tip. And so where can people find out more about you and what you do? Yeah. So the best first and all in one shop is dreamcareerclub.com. That is my website and you can get on there and look at a bunch of different things. There's a tab for free stuff and there's specifically a download, a PDF sheet that you can download right away called 25 career mistakes, even smart professionals make. I work with a lot of smart people, people who run businesses, people who have taken risks to go out on their own and course creators like like your audience, you have something to say and you'd be surprised, you know, people forget, you know, we're so busy as business owners and as professionals working on whatever project it is that we're working on that sometimes we forget. Take a step back and to look at the bigger picture like our broader business and like our brand. And so these are just 25 reminders of things to be thinking about, you know, as you're busy, busy, busy in the day-to-day. Oh, that's great. I look forward to take, checking that out myself. I really like the name of your website too, Dream Career Club. Just the fact that you know, we all are trying to create what is meaningful to us in the world. We want to show up and and be the best that we can be, but we want to be doing something that we really love to do and we want to be excited about. So I love the, the dream career part and whether that is the choice of being an entrepreneur um, or working in a business or organization of someone else's, it's just, just a really important place for us to be thinking about how we're showing up in the world, what our message is, is it coming across, like you said, the way that we intend. And um, I probably am going to go through that list and I'm going to be surprised by some of the mistakes that I'm probably making. And it's all just about helping us become more aware, right? So I think that this conversation between you and I is just a way for, for me to bring this forward to the course creators out there, people that are, are looking to scale their business that there's, there's a right way and a not so right way. I don't even like to say wrong way, but a right way and a not so right way. And this is one thing that we need to be talking more about and really thinking more about. So thank you for reaching out to me and making the suggestion that this topic would be a great fit for the podcast. Obviously this is really something you're quite passionate about. So, and I appreciate you bringing that here for us to share on this platform. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. I just think it's it's a great time to be creating a course, to be scaling a course, to be putting your message out there. And so I just hope many people take advantage of the fact that you host this podcast and, and share these tips. And I think that's that's great. That's a thought leadership platform right there. Oh, thanks. Um, well, um, maybe we'll be able to connect again uh, a, a little bit later on once I really start diving into some of my own thought leadership. If people have questions about thought leadership, I encourage them to reach out to Caroline, go and check out her website, check out that list of I think 25 things that you might be doing wrong and you know, really just take it in as an opportunity to refine and go out there and do great things in the world. 
Thank you very much, Caroline, for joining me today. Thanks, Tracy. If you like this episode, one of the best thank yous you can give me is to subscribe and leave me a review. Leaving a podcast review helps me get more reach and attract more listeners. And if you're ready to scale your course, I also have a free roadmap that you can download. This roadmap will give you access to my framework for scaling courses, what you need to do, what you need to consider, and even who you should include in the process. Check the show notes below. Thanks for listening.